All right. Uh, hello and welcome to my podcast, Midnight Ramblings. Now, I'm, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there and say uh, this may have some swearing in it. Uh, you know, a few things in, in the case that's not your thing. I you know some people don't like that, uh, but I'll keep it to a minimum. I also want to put it out and say this is my first uh, podcast. This is, well, technically it's my second, although I didn't do much more than sit around and talk in the first one I did. Uh, I made another episode, but I wasn't quite satisfied with what I'd made. And so I'm going to remake this. I'm probably going to split it up into two parts. In this first part, I'll I'll more than likely talk about myself and who I am because I feel like, you know, I listen to a few podcasts myself. My favorite is The Misfits. I, I can't really think of any other names off the top of my head. My memory's not all that good. But I, I find with the podcasts I have listened to, I've I've liked them a lot more if I've I've been personally, like, not attached, but informed of of who is talking or, you know, how they're related be it friendship, uh, you know, a relationship to those that they're talking to. You know, I, I like podcasts and people to bring on guests and talk about how they met and how they got them on there. And so, like I said, I'm going to be talking about myself a little bit. Um, I'm also, you know, because this is, uh, you know, because I'm a 17-year-old and I've got an Xbox, what I'm going to do is is play some games while I do it. And at times I may talk about those games and, you know, because I know not everybody plays video games, I'll give some background and I'll, I'll give it a little bit of information. Uh, sometimes I may dedicate entire episodes to just the game I'm playing or talking about a game and why I really love that. I, I plan to do that with a Witcher 3 uh, because I, I love that game to death, but that's not why you're here. Now, I'm going to get started as soon as I pick a game, um, but right now I'm trying to decide what can I play while, you know, I don't need to focus on but I can still, you know, have a good time, and, and I think, I've, I've only got a few games installed on my Xbox, but I, I think, I think I'm going to go with Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, I didn't need to say that out loud, but, you know, this is, this is just going to be me, me being me, me talking and, and saying what I want to. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to start talking about myself, I'm, uh, I've already mentioned I'm a 17-year-old, I'm, I'm a junior in high school, um, long story short for that, my birthday was too late for me to start uh, schooling, so I had to wait a year. Um, I'm living in the United States. I was I was raised in uh, in Florida, and this this is a little important because I'll talk about the weather of my current state, Indiana. Um, now, if you don't know a lot about uh, Florida, Florida is really hot, and, and Florida doesn't get very cold. I think the coldest I ever remember it getting was like 30, 32, 31, I remember, because I woke up and my dad said, hey, hey, guess what would freeze outside? And I said, what? And he said, water, and I was blown away. Um, that it, it, it was that cold. But I currently live in in, uh, in Indiana, and you know it, I'm sure most of the people that are listening uh, would know the differences in climates between the two. Florida is naturally you know, well-known for being really hot, um, but Indiana's pretty cold often. It can get really warm here. It was 90, 90 the other day, or the other last week or something like that. But uh, it, it's a, it was a big change. In Florida, it was always hot, and so I, I'd gotten used to that, you know. I'd adjusted to always being hot, and I came here to Indiana. It was it was a, it was a big change. It was the cold was the the hardest thing. I love the cold. I love the snow. I would I would lay in the snow if frostbite wasn't a thing. Um, I'll still lay in the snow even though frostbite is a thing. But uh, it's definitely a change, and it's it's funny because you know, like I said, I'm in high school, and when it's really cold out, people will be coming to school when it's like 40, 50, with winter coats on, and I'll be coming with like a jacket, like a, a hoodie, a sweatshirt. Uh, same thing goes when it's like 80, 90 out, people will be wearing shorts and short sleeves and I'll come to school wearing you know, a jacket, a sweatshirt. Uh, I, I'm very, very, uh, I wouldn't say immune, but not as phased by the heat as I should be. And then the cold just isn't that bad to me because I get hot very easily. So even in like 30, 20, 30, 40 degree weather, I'll get hot pretty easily. Now, moving on from uh, from where I live, I've spent a little bit too long on that. I, I my hobbies consist of you know gaming. Obviously, I like to write. Uh, I take inspiration from uh, from Mr. Tolkien, um, the late but great Tolkien, who wrote uh, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. I also deeply adore uh, Mr. Stephen King, Stephen King. I, I can never remember how to say his name, and it makes me feel very bad. Um, you know, I, I've read most of his books. My favorite has to be Black House. Black House was a wonderful book. I'm actually getting ready to read the uh, the one, the JFK one. I, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, my favorite book of all time is is uh, is easily The Hobbit. It's it's what got me into reading, and and uh, I I can't say it's it partial it's partially 
uh, what got me into writing, but that's uh, I'll bring that up in, in just a minute. Uh, my other hobbies consist of I like to go on walks. It's a very simple thing, but uh, just staying active really helps me. Uh, I like to sew. I really love sewing. Uh, my friend introduced me to it. And another thing, let me think here. Um, I don't do a lot, honestly. Um, it's really kind of uh, kind of baffling how little I do. Um, I sleep a lot, if that counts as a hobby. Um, wow, let me think here. I don't like school. I, I can't say schooling is, is one of my uh, hobbies. Uh, English. I really like English, particularly uh, Olden English and the actual language itself as opposed to... Uh, I, I do like the history behind it, but not as much as I like the, uh, the actual language. I, I really like the language. It's such an interesting language and it's so unnecessarily complex. Uh, I, I'm not bilingual. I can't speak any other language. I, I can speak bits and pieces, like singular words from languages like Spanish, German, French, and a couple other things. But uh, for the most part, sorry if you noticed the difference, the uh, heater just went off, I'm in the basement. But uh, for the most part, I, I found it's, it's very different than a lot of other languages in all kinds of manners. And I think that that is really interesting and, and really, uh, really odd because, you know, a lot of languages are similar in some aspect. And while there are definitely similarities between English and a lot of other languages, there's a lot of differences. And it, like I said, I just find it interesting. I also really, really, really adore Japanese culture. Now, the first thing that got me started on this was World War II. And I know World War II uh, was a dark time. And I should also mention that I, I deeply uh, I have a deep interest in uh, Mr. J. Robert Oppenheimer uh, and his, his genius, as well as his decline after those bombs were dropped. But uh, it's where my interest was first picked up. Uh, I first learned about the Japanese kamikaze pilots, and I'm sure everybody listening to this knows who they are or what they are. But if you don't, uh, in World War II, the Japanese were known for their uh, uh, their their resilience and their 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 willpower. Now, it's a very big media thing, um, and uh, the samurai would believe in death before dishonor, and they would commit something called ritualistic seppuku. I may be saying it wrong, but they carried a, most good samurai um, would carry a katana and a tanto. And now with this tanto, if they were captured or, or they dishonored somebody of uh, another family, they would disembowel themselves. They would plunge the blade into their stomach and accept death in, in, a, in a vain attempt at either denying their enemy uh, themselves or to restore honor to their family. They were very honor bound. Uh, and now I know that there is a lot of dishonor in, in actual uh, feudal history but that's it's this isn't a history lesson I'm, I'm no expert but uh the kamikaze pilots uh the japanese were known for that they would charge into you and die rather than let you capture them and interrogate them and the kamikaze pilots were especially brutal uh they would fly their planes into the enemy even if they weren't going to die that they would just do that and i thought that, that was really interesting that not just one not two not three but an entire people could be so willing to kill themselves just to bring harm to their enemy and help their country. Now, that's if that's not patriotic, I don't know what is. But uh, it really got me in the train of, is that a new thing? Or was that, was that, was that what Japanese history was like? And, and I did the research and, and I, I fell in love with, with particularly the feudal period of Japan, which is where the samurai were, were uh, very prominent and uh, where media brings them up most. But quite honestly... Uh, you know, it's, I don't have much more to say on it than other than it interested me. I'm still learning and, and I'm no, I'm no expert, but I, I do know a little bit about it. Um, moving on from that, um, I'm going to talk about what got me into writing. And I really like to write stories. I intend to one day write a, a psychological horror novel about a, um, a former, I believe it's psychologist. Um, I'm, I'm jumping between psychologist and psychiatrist, and it's going to take me many years to write this. Um, but the general gist is, is, is that this man by the name of Antoine, um, he's, he was a former psychologist or psychiatrist. I've yet to decide. I know there's a difference between the two. And, uh, but he, he retired from his job, and he, he found a deep interest in, uh, in the human mind and, and how little uh, people in his field actually understand it, uh, despite you know the already lengthy book of mental illnesses and understandings of different disorders and the symptoms. It occurred to him that there was very little that humanity actually knew, and 
this drove him to want to uh, root the, not obscurities out, but discover how people react to different things. And he, he understood that with his, uh, with, with his job, if you were to sit somebody down and talk to them, they're going to react differently than if they were just thrown into a situation. Um, because they have time to prepare, and if not, they have time to understand that what they say can be used against them, or what they say could incriminate them, or what they say could just make people look at them weird. And so he took a very extreme approach and decided to uh, take, he, he decided to, he found a reporter by the name of Maxine, and Maxine was a very uh, a freelance journalist, and she was very against um, lying, and that's a very good quality to have, even if you're a journalist. But hers extended to, um, you know, to my understanding, a lot of journalists aren't. They're very. They lead you on, and they'll they'll publish things that aren't not completely true, but they they don't. It isn't the whole story then, and you know, like I said, I'm no journalist. I'm no expert on a lot of the things I talk about. That's why it's going to take me many years. I intend to do all the research. But long story short, he decided to take this woman into his, uh, as, an, as not an apprentice, as an acquaintance, and work into being a friend with her. And he then proceeded to commit a string of entirely unrelated copycat murders. Uh, and I've still, I've still yet to figure out how he got his hands on the case files of a, a range of murderers that I will... I will create. I'm not going to use any real murderers. I want the book to be entirely fictional. Um, inspired by real life, of course, but entirely fictional. And what he's going to do is he's going to kill these people and then make sure Maxine gets to report on it with a little more than she should have. So the public knows what's going on, and the police in that city, it's going to be some city in, in Europe, um, maybe even England, um... The police aren't able to do much, and the goal, his goal, and while it's it's not very, uh, he's a smart man, but he, he doesn't think as many things out, is he's wanting to see how people react to the police not doing anything. And the idea is very subject to change, and when I think about it, it it's not very solid, it's very shallow, and it's it's very, uh, it doesn't come off as very well done. Um, And, you know, it's a new idea, it's only been festering for about a year now, but uh, I want to write that one day. And uh, what got me into writing, and, you know, again, Midnight Ramblings is just going to be rambling, and I'll probably trail off of things, but what got me into writing was I took a, cr a creative writing class. Uh, I actually only took the creative writing class because uh, a friend brought me into a classroom with a teacher by the name of Mrs. Tweetmeyer, and I, I love her. I adore her. She's awesome. Um, easily my favorite teacher ever, right next to a wonderful gentleman named Mr. Timmons, and, uh, but Tweetmeyer... Uh, she let specific students eat in her classroom. You know, as long as you weren't overly loud, as long as you didn't make a mess, and if you did, you cleaned up after yourself. And, you know, you participated in class. You, you were a good student. You didn't have to be a model student, but a good student. She'd let you eat with her. Um, naturally, there were people she didn't let eat for various reasons. You know, they're troublemakers. They're, you know, they, they you know, it's, it's, it sounds uh, petty, but uh, there were a few people she didn't let in there just because they usually brought trouble with them on purpose, not by chance. Um, but I happened to get to eat with her, and uh, it, was, it was very nice, and we, we, we just sat there. It was a break from the lunchroom. Um, now, I have, I have severe social anxiety, and it extends to, you know, I really worry about what people think when they look at me, uh, but I also have a hard time being around humongous groups of people. And the cafeteria, you know, my school's got like 2,000 students in it, and the cafeteria was nerve-wracking to me. I was I was too busy thinking about wow, there's so many people here, as opposed, you know, to be able to think about wow, what are they thinking? I didn't. It didn't bother me what they thought in that room because it was. I, they were just looking at me. I I sat alone in the back for for a good year where I made some friends, and uh, even then they they were they had different lunches than me, so I usually just sat alone with a few people that I knew. Um, so you know, getting out of that room was really great, and that was that was the main reason why I did it. But that's when I first got introduced to her. Now, by sheer circumstance, um, I got moved out of a, of a seventh-hour class um, by my counselor after a long talk with him. And I got placed in her seventh-hour class, and she had a creative writing at that time, um, for, uh, for the last few weeks of that, that year. And it, it was very interesting. I was a freshman. Um, 
And so I was, I was sitting in, in this classroom with a bunch of uh, juniors and seniors and some even sophomores. Um, and I got to participate in some of the stuff they did, but uh, the people in there had taken a liking to me and they had, they had explained the class to me. And, and normally I just sat there and I did some work with other classes. I watched YouTube on our, our Chromebook sometimes because I didn't have a lot to do in that class. It was kind of just a free hour for me. But uh, I, I really came to like the class and, and the small numbers. It's, it's less than 20 people in that class. I think the last year I had it, which was my sophomore year, I think we had something like 12 or 13 students in it. I could be misremembering, but it's a very small class, and, and that really helped me. And so I asked her about it. Could I, could I take it? And uh, apologies, it wasn't the end of the year. It was the end of the semester because I asked her about it. And she said, uh, she, said she, she would love to bring me in to the class. Uh, however she didn't bring freshmen into that class because that class is self-management. Uh, a lot of teachers in other classes, if you're not familiar with modern high school, if you're older um, or you're not even in high school yet, uh, a lot of teachers will constantly remind you they'll, they'll be on your, they'll be on your butt about work. Uh, she set a deadline and she would ask you if you had it when that deadline came, but she didn't constantly remind you unless she knew you needed a reminder every now and again. Uh, it was you had to do it on your own. You had to to get it done yourself. You had to remember it was self management, and and she had done it before. She did she had tested with uh, multiple groups of freshmen, and it didn't go well. And so she she ruled it um, better to do sophomores and up so that they get a grasp for high school before they take her class because she knew uh, you know plenty of people had jumped at the opportunity to do uh, creative writing. Okay, not <laughs> plenty enough to fill the classes up. Not like, uh, oh, wow, everybody in the school is like, whoa, creative writing, I'm going to go do it. Um, but long story short, uh, I, I set the class on my list for the next year and I went into it. And it was, we did a little bit of everything. We did poetry, we did short stories, we did online food articles, we did online reviews, articles. If it was a form of writing, we gave it a shot. We even wrote plays, uh, for goodness sake. Um uh, based on you know the the format of, of Shakespeare and I really fell into in love with writing and it, it's uh, it's one of my biggest passions right now I, I adore it I could sit and write for hours now my mojo comes and it goes but uh, for the most part I write I've got so many characters I got so many worlds so many ideas bouncing around in my head at all times you know I walk out you know I walk downtown sometimes and uh, I, I look at the shops and the people passing and I'll get a dozen ideas for for different characters, just by the way someone looks, you know, I, I, I got this guy, he's, he's, uh, I don't even name for him, but I, I saw somebody, he was, he was wearing a ridiculous outfit, it was, it was incredible, I, it was like, he had, he had like a top hat on, right, and he had another hat on top of that, but it was like a fedora, but the top hat was slim at the top, so the, the fedora sat on the top hat, and this big, humongous, bushy mustache that went past, like, just past his cheeks, and this really long goatee, and he had these, these big, like, thick lensed bug-eyed goggles and he had like four ties on and like like a, a black trench coat but over that or under that he had like a snow coat on and it it was such a bizarre outfit and i don't know why he was out wearing that oh he was wearing sweatpants with it too um i saw him going to this coffee shop so he was probably messing around with some friends or he was just wearing bizarre clothes for some reason um, but I, I looked at him and I thought, wow, that dude was so bizarre. And I made a really, really weird, like wacky professor who, uh, who, who's way out there. He's, he's like, he's buggered. He's, he's, he's crazy. He's bonkers. But everybody loves him because he's, he's not, he's like, he's the likable kind of bonkers. The, uh, like, like think, uh, uh, Doc from, from Back to the Future, if you've seen that, uh, he's that kind of crazy. It's the kind that's just, it's amusing and it's, it's, it's entertaining and fun to be around. But uh, it, it's things like that. Like I look at an everyday person. I didn't even speak to the guy. I walked past and I saw what he was wearing. And it still sticks to me because that, that dude was, was crazy. That was the craziest outfit I've ever seen someone wearing. He reminded me of a guy named Vermin Supreme. And if you've never, if you don't know who that is, look him up on YouTube. He's a pretty cool dude. Um, he's, he's a, he's a, a satirical uh, politician and he's, he's very funny. But uh, he reminded me of somebody like that, and so it really stuck with me. But like, it, like I was saying, there's a lot of things. I look at something every day, and I think, wow, that'd make an, I'd make make a crazy, crazy story or or a crazy character, and uh, it, it just comes to me, and, and I I can't I can't stop. I just I make characters over and over. Um, moving on from that, uh, uh, there's not a lot to talk about. You know, I love talking. 
and I will talk about my experiences with life and all that for uh, forever, you know, if, if you let me. I'll just keep talking and talking and talking. But uh, I've come to understand, okay, well, that's not the right way to put it. Um, I've come to realize that when it comes to talking about myself, there's, there's not a lot to say. Um, I mean, sure, there's plenty to unpack, but uh, there's a lot to, to unpack, but it never comes to my... I don't know what to say, honestly. Like, there's not a whole lot that I can really think of and say, hey, that's important to mention. You know, I play games, I go on walks, I, I write and I read. That that's about it. I suppose the other interesting fact about myself that I could mention is is I I want to do voice acting one day. I can do a few voices. Uh, one of them is an accent, and then one of them is really really uh, it's not all that good, but it, it's an impression of a character from a game. Uh, but it, it's it's like like I said, it's it doesn't pop into my mind. Hey, this is important to mention. It, it kind of comes and it goes. I'll bring it up if it if it gets brought up. But beyond that, I, I don't have much else to say about myself. Um, I won't be saying my name, so I go by Simply Divine online. Um, if you know me, you know I'm I'm on Discord a lot. Um, cool, uh, that's actually coincidental. If if you happen to know me, it's it's a very obscure username, so the chances you're mistaking me for somebody else are very slim. But I, I doubt that'll happen um, because this is uh, this probably isn't going to be catering to the field of people I really talk to. Um, I also keep to myself online mostly. But uh, I, I just don't like my name, um, and that's a long story, and, and I'll probably talk about that in a, in a later episode when I feel a little more comfortable with this. This is all very new to me. This is my first time doing this um, myself, alone, so it's, 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 uh, it's definitely something new, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm comfortable with it just yet or if I'm, if I'm ready to start delving into that part of my life. Uh, anyways, I'm gonna cut this bit off. This will just be the uh, the the minced minced up uh, disorganized beginning part um, of episode one, which is which I'll just call it the pilot, um, because I'm uncreative at the moment. I'm going to jump into the next part then. I probably no idea what I'm gonna talk about. So so look forward to a bunch of shenanigans. Hello, and welcome back to Midnight Ramblings. Now, normally this will be put at the beginning of episodes, but I wanted to make this one a two-parter because, uh, you know, the first part I introduced myself, and I could have just released that as it was, I think it's a 20-minute segment. Um, but I feel like if I'm going to make a podcast, I want to make them a little bit longer. I know people appreciate short podcasts, but I personally appreciate long podcasts. Now, my favorite podcast is The Misfits. If you don't know what The Misfits is, be careful. The Misfits is a bunch of idiots. Uh, they're all friends, and they were on a podcast. They're really vulgar. They're really, uh, they're really out there. There's some young guys. They're YouTube. They're YouTubers, and they gathered up and they decided to make a podcast. Now, the, the big name in there is Swagger Souls. Swagger Souls is a YouTuber. He's awesome. I think he's a cool, dude. But uh, for example, like that's my favorite podcast, and the episodes range between forty minutes, and I think there's even a few that are a little bit over an hour. And so I want to make it a little bit longer. I also wanted to add, add a segment that's really. Uh, really telling of uh, of the, the 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 whole point I'm doing this. Now, I put in the description, I'm pretty sure I put in the description of, of the actual podcast bit. I'm, I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm going to be playing games while I do this. You know, it's probably going to be me playing games at midnight. I might not do them all at midnight. I might do them sometimes later at night, earlier. Um, but it's, it's uh, I wanted to include a segment that was, oh, my voice cracked. I wanted to include a segment that was uh, it would belong as a straight-up episode. And this one will probably be shorter. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to do straight 40-minute episodes. This could just be me stretching for time and, and for content. But uh, it's also a pilot. And I know a lot of pilots for things are, are longer. And they're, they're usually, you know, high quality. This isn't all high quality. This is just some, some kid rambling in his basement. At, now it's 1.30 in the morning. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been a fight trying to get this right i want this i want this to be something that people can listen to and oh goodness gracious i my voice is cracking i want this to be something people can listen to and enjoy not something they look at and they're like oh that's pretty subpar oh he talks too much or oh yada 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 you know um but in this 
this segment of the podcast, I'll be playing Destiny 2. And I'll be talking about Destiny. Um, because I've, I've made a few drafts of the last, of the last segment, this part. Now, I really haven't come to like any of them. And it's because I'm all over the place. The last one, I was playing a different game, and I was talking about that game. But partway through, I realized, oh, crap, I have to try for this game. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to do that. It's no bueno. Um, so I decided I'll set a topic out. Now, one of the biggest games I ever played, and one of the first games I remember playing, was called Destiny. Now, if you don't know, Destiny was a pretty popular game produced by Bungie and Activision uh, in a 10-year promise plan. They were trying to, if I'm not mistaken, they were trying to top their legendary game, Halo. Now, a lot of people that are, that are knowledgeable in games, if not all, should know what Halo is. Uh, Halo is still kicking. Halo's been kicking for a long time. Halo Reach was one of my favorite games for a long time. But uh, they decided to make a shooter looter. Now, it was heavily inspired by Borderlands. And if you're not familiar with video games, a shooter looter is a first-person shooter game or a, a shooter game that uh, you kill stuff and you get loot. And that's the whole premise. You just loot, loot, loot. Now, Borderlands did it perfectly. There's Borderlands 1. There's Borderlands 2. There's Borderlands the pre-sequel. And then there's Borderlands uh, 3. There's also another Borderlands game. I think it's Tales from the Borderlands. Um... Uh, but that one's more of a story game than it is a shooter looter, but it adds to the lore. Now, um, Borderlands, you got a lot of loot. Destiny, you don't get as much, but I think the appeal is the weapons in Destiny and the armor in Destiny. Now, Destiny is very big on uh, on cosmetics and appearance, but not in the sense of Fortnite where you buy skins. In Destiny, now you can, you can buy this stuff called silver, which is a premium currency, and you can... Um, you can unlock special ornaments and, and exotic ornaments. And an ornament is something that you put on a weapon or a piece of armor that makes it look better or makes it look different, sorry. Uh, because, like, I use an ornament for my gun called Lumina, which is an exotic hand cannon that I think looks better than the default one. But some people may disagree. It's something that you can purchase if you want it, but you don't have to. And now, the whole premise of Destiny is that the armor and the weapons are very nice. Uh, there's all kinds. Now, the big thing that Destiny has a lot of games don't have is something called... It's a tier, it's a weapon, like a, a, a rarity system. But they have a special uh, rarity. Uh, what, what do you call it? I think it's a... Not a tier, but like a, a special rarity. I'll just call it a special rarity. Now, in Destiny, you have uh, common, you have uncommon, you have rare, you have legendary, and then you have their special ones, which are called exotics. Now the color pools are as follows: uh, common are white, green or uncommon are green, rare are blue, legendary are a nice purple. I'd I'd say almost royal purple, and then uh, and and uh, exotics are a nice nice bright yellow, almost golden, almost golden. And now what what makes an exotic so special is now every weapon in Destiny has a stat roll. It's got a perk roll. You know, it's a different type. There's all kinds of types of weapons. Um, and different, you know, there's all, like, all legendary weapons that are scout rifles can usually get the same pool of perks. Some weapons are exempt from this from this rule. Um, some will get certain perks, some won't. Some snipers can only get certain perks. Uh, some can't get certain perks. It's really up to uh, what whatever the weapon you're using is. But exotics are different. Now, exotics, let's say, you know, I'm using a bow called Wish Ender. Wish Ender is a quest exotic. You have to go through a dungeon, uh, talk to this statue, and it's holding the bow, and then you have to embark on a quest. Now, Wish Ender has a special perk, and if I'm to go do the quest on another character or pull it out of my collections menu, uh, it'll give me the same stuff, over, or it'll give me the same weapon over and over and over, unlike if I just keep doing you know, this thing called a strike, and then collecting the currency from that and trading it in for legendaries. If I'm going to get the same, like, hand cannon twice, it might not be the same rolls. I might get explosive rounds and, uh, and uh, rampage, and then on the next, I might get genesis and explosive rounds, or not even explosive rounds. Um, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very interesting how they did exotics. Like, Wish Ender is an exotic bow, that you get in the Dreaming City, which is a location. Now, what Wish Ender has is it has two things. There are different bows in Destiny. There's there's compound. Uh, I can call them compound, but they use broadheads. There are uh, recurve, which you use. Uh, I forget the name of them, but they're the lightest arrowheads in the game. And then you've got heavy bows, and there's only one heavy bow, and that is the Leviathan's Breath, which uses uh, these special, humongous, like gigantic-tipped 
uh, arrows that uh, I think they pierce targets and they do big damage and they stagger them, but it takes a long time to pull them back because the bow shoots them with insane velocity or insane power. Sorry. Um, now the thing with with Wish Ender is it's an exotic bow, and so you can only equip in Destiny. The difference between like uh, most loot systems or tier systems and exotic, the exotic from Destiny is you can only have one exotic equipped at a time. Uh, you can have one weapon and one piece of armor. You can you now cosmetics are different. You can have like I have an exotic ghost, an exotic sparrow, which is a little speeder, and an exotic ship equipped right now. But that that those don't count. Uh, they're just cosmetics. Some of the ghosts offer little special things like increased XP gains at certain places, uh, but it's like a minor 10% buff. Now, the thing with like most exotics is there's are all exotic weapons and armor is they're special. For example, Wish Ender uses broadhead tips. Now, what that means in Destiny is that when you shoot them, the arrow pierces the target, and it you can hit multiple targets with it. Uh, but what happens is like I just got a double kill with it by shooting one enemy. What that means is the, at least for Destiny, is the weapon, uh-oh, I'm the last one alive, is the weapon, uh, it pierces twice, and so it has an entry pierce, and then it has an exit pierce. Uh-oh, wow, how did you guys die already? So it does damage twice, and that's how it pierces multiple targets. Not all bows do that in Destiny, that's actually very, very, uh, it's something that doesn't happen. I, I think Leviathan's Breath is one of the only other bows that does that. Uh, the other thing that uh, Wish Ender does is when you pull, when you aim in and you pull back, you get something called Queen's Wrath. And what that does is it allows you to see through walls. Enemies will glow red when you're aiming in their general direction while aiming in with, with uh, Wish Ender. And that's really useful. And that's an exotic buff. No other weapon has that. You know, for example... Uh, I'm the helmet I'm wearing is called Eye of Another World, and Eye of Another World is a really cool helmet. I, I really like it. It's my favorite helmet at the moment, right next to uh, uh, Mask of the Quiet One for the Titan class. Uh, for context, I play I play all three characters: Titan, Warlock, and Hunter. Um, but right now I'm playing Warlock, and each character has a different role. Hunters are big damage dealers, but they're really weak. Uh, warlocks are. Uh, very utility, but they can do a lot of damage as well. Um, and then the other thing with, uh, with, or with Titans is they, uh, they're very durable. And they've got some good damage abilities, but they're very well suited for defensive roles. As Destiny describes it, a Titan can, uh, they're capable warriors that can either mount an aggressive offense or an aggressive, I think it's an aggressive attack or a stalwart defense. Um, each character can do the other's roles quite well, but some excel at certain things, such as Warlock being very good at uh, supporting its allies with healing wells and, and healing ultimates and uh, things like that. Now, uh, what this exotic does for uh, for Warlock is it's you know it's got a good it's got good stats on it, so that's great. Uh, it looks really cool, which is another thing. You know, all the weapons in Armored Destiny look different, and I think that's what made it really successful. I've kind of strayed off from the topic, but I'm just explaining basic things here. Like my helmet, I have another world. What it does is it uh, is is it reduces all of my cooldowns. So, like in this game, you have a grenade ability, you have a melee ability, and you have a super and a class ability. Super, you build up over a long time, or by picking up orbs of light and getting kills. Uh, now, grenade energy just comes back randomly, or not randomly, over a set period of time. I think I've got my grenade, uh, I usually have it down to like 40 seconds, and then I also have a decrease from the helmet, and then uh, some other abilities that help me decrease it. Such as my grenade ability, which gives me, or my melee ability, which gives me grenade energy back on damage. Uh, but the big thing with uh, with this helmet is it reduces all cooldowns, and that's a special skill. Now, another legendary helmet, you can probably put something that increases your discipline on it, and discipline uh, decreases the time it takes for you to get your grenade back. But that's not as good as decreasing all cooldowns, so that's why exotics in this game are very unique and very important. They offer powerful, unique buffs that you can't get anywhere else. Um... But, and I think that's part of what really draws people into Destiny, but uh, I'm gonna get back on my original topic, which was uh, my first game, and that was Destiny. And Destiny and Destiny 2 are very different. Uh, in Destiny 2, there's so much more to the game. 
but in Destiny, it was very, it was very slow going. It was, it was, it was a new experience. Bungie had not done something like this before, and I think they did it pretty well. They could definitely could have done certain things better, uh, but I think at this point they, uh, they've, they've brought the game back to a, a very, very uh, healthy degree. Um, I don't think they'll get much better out of this game. Maybe with the coming DLC, uh, but I, I think they've done the best they can do, and I really like this game. I do. Um, but for Destiny, it was very slow going at first, and there was no, uh, there was no guarantee that, uh, that things would, would turn out the way they did. You know, there was, there were a lot of, of gripes people had in the beginning. There were a lot of, a lot of things that people didn't like. Like, uh, you could, in the beginning of Destiny, rather than have things just turn into weapons, um, and armor when you pick them up, which are engrams, which are what enemies drop and give you gear... Uh, you had to take them to this guy called a Cryptarch, and his name was Master Rahul, and Master Rahul was a righteous fella. He would turn your engrams into wonderful gear, uh, but in the beginning, you could get exotic engrams, and one of the biggest things that people didn't like about Destiny was that you could get an exotic engram, and then it would turn into, like, a green item, and so that was one of the biggest things that was really slow going for people. They didn't like that it was so, like, uh, it was very chance-based, but they came into the game knowing that it would be. The other thing they didn't like was that uh, was that at the same time that that would happen, uh, it was also like the chances were really low for some things. Um, but they improved the game over time. And one of the big functions in Destiny, and one of the best things to do... Here, I'll start with a range of the activities. Now, the big activities I can name off the top of my head in Destiny 2, because Destiny's been out for seven years, and I haven't played it in three or four... Um, Destiny 2 offers a host of modes. You can patrol different planets, you can patrol the moon and kill enemies and do these little missions and, and just do special events that spawn in. You can go play Strikes, which are three-player cooperative missions that you go on to complete some goal, always end with killing a boss. You can do Crucible, which is a range of different uh, curated modes where you play with a team of other people and you fight other players in a uh, pretty even field. PvP field, there's Gambit, which is a mix of PvE and PvP, where you collect moats, you summon a boss, you kill it, and you try and stop the enemy team by going to their place and killing them. Um, and then there's the bigger things, like strikes, or not strikes, sorry, like raids. Now, raids are six-player uh, activities that you have to complete a certain set of, of, uh, of things, like called raid mechanics that are very specific and they require cooperative their cooperation and communication and they're very cool and that was a big thing in destiny now gambit wasn't in destiny one that's it i think it might have been later on but in the beginning it wasn't and now destiny really got me hooked at first i was really like eh. i was like "Ooh, these classes are cool these these supers are really cool like i played a, i played a hunter and I got this thing called the Golden Gun, and I would I'd manifest a gun from just, like, pure sun energy, and I would shoot things with it, and it would, like, kill them instantly or do really big damage. And to me, that was incredible. I was a little kid back then, so I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I got more into the game, and, and I came to love it. I came to love the loot system. You know, as I was mentioning, the, the customization in this game is, is bonkers. Like, like, I'm wearing a set. Right now, I'm wearing, and it, it looks incredible. I'm wearing, and my power is 1031. I'm wearing, as follows, I have another world, gunsmith's devotion gloves, gunsmith's devotion robes, gunsmith's devotion boots, and holdfast bond. Now, that helmet is an exotic, and I got it from a random drop, if I'm not mistaken. Now, the f next three pieces of armor, the, the gunsmith's devotion armor, is from a raid called Scourge of the Past. And then the holdfast bond is the current season's uh, armor, but as a class item. And now it looks really good together, and I've got a shader on it, and that's that stuff like that. Like this, all the armor in the game looks different. And now you can put ornaments and stuff on it, which are things you can pay for or get the season pass that only apply to specific character or specific armor, like holdfast armor. Um, but the big thing with the game is that uh, is that that customization was what really drew a lot of people in, and that's like it's incredible. It, it's it's mind boggling how how expansive it is like you can take five pieces of armor that aren't even related and make them good look good as long as you get the right pieces 
uh, the weapons are so different. There's so many roles on weapons. There's so many different kinds of weapons. Like off the top of my head, there are bows, there are fusion rifles, there are grenade launchers, there are secondary grenade launchers, there's rocket launchers, there's swords, there's scout rifles, there's auto rifles, there are hand cannons, there's sidearms, there's shotguns, there's all kinds of weapons in this game. And most two weapons aren't the same. And to me, that's really incredible. And it, it really drew, it really brought me in. And then I discovered raids. Now, I got all the DLC for Destiny 1. Sadly, I lost my Destiny 1 account because apparently Xbox had some problems. I changed my name on Xbox, and now my 360 account doesn't register as mine anymore because it doesn't have the same name. Um, but uh, raids were, you know, the six-player cooperative thing, and there was this raid called Vault of Glass. And now, that was the first raid ever introduced in Destiny. And and Destiny, Destiny was, are, are, was was really new. Or everything in it was really new. Sorry, I, I was reading something, so I kind of fumbled over my words. Uh, Destiny was was a new idea, and so Vault of Glass, when it was introduced, was like, whoa, hey, what's this? This is a six-player thing where you have to go in and you, and you have to work with your teammates. It, it was really new, and people were like, hey, this this actually this is really cool. And you went into it, you had to do certain things. Like at the end, you fought a boss. I believe his name was Atheon, something of that sort. It's, I may have gotten it wrong. It's been so many years since I've played it, and I'm really excited because they're bringing it back into Destiny 2 come the next, the next DLC. Um, but you had to do a bunch of certain things. Like, you had to go through this maze at some point. You had to complete encounters where you had to do certain things. Your certain teammates had to complete certain acts. They had to say in certain places. You know, they had to complete specific activities. Everybody had to know what they were doing, and that was that was insane, because there had been things like that before, like strikes. Everybody could pretty much screw off and, and get their things done, but then raids came, and everybody had something they had to do. There were specific things, and it, it was just mind-boggling. It was such a new idea that people got really drawn into it, and they started adding more. And, and the last raid I could really recall, I didn't, play most of the, uh, I didn't play most of the Destiny 1 raids as much as I did the first two. The first one was Vault of Glass. And that was in the Vex, and I could I could sit down, and I, I could go on for... I might even dedicate a few episodes to lore for Destiny, because the lore for Destiny is really cool. Long story short, Vault of Glass is about these guys called the Vex, and they were in this vault. And you had to go in, and you had to kill this big guy. And now the Vex are, long story short, time-traveling robots. And they're they're awesome. Um, but... Uh, the the second the second raid was called and I will do a little lore bit because I love the lore for this was called Crota's End and the raid was was called uh, or no no the raid was called Crota's End and the DLC was called uh, God I can't remember it the Dark Below it was called the Dark Below and it was it was with these guys called the Hive and now the Hive are like uh, wow where do I start. I'm pretty sure they're crustaceans because their home world is a water world and they've got armor. And they're, you know, a lot of people think they're insectoid. Um, but I think they're crustaceans. And uh, they're very humanoid and they're, they're, they worship these gods and they're like pure darkness. They're like death and all that. Um, and now Crota was the first, like, like a large hive god introduced. There had been Hive before, and, and Hive that the Hive had worshipped, but Crota came in, and he really stomped out all these Hive we'd known about before, and he was really incredible. And he also introduced this woman named Eris Morn. And now Eris Morn, is, this is a little bit I'm going to talk about, she's my favorite character in Destiny. And she's a blind woman, she was a guardian. Now, for context, in Destiny, you become a guardian. And uh, what guardians are is this, this big ball of light uh, called the Traveler came and, and in it resurrected humans you know it had gone to different planets before searching people to help it ward off the darkness it had originally gone to another enemy type called the fallen and tried to help them but the fallen weren't dead like the, like most of humanity was and so it's very unclear how it helped them and now they've been chasing it trying to get their light back which is a very interesting thing i strongly believe the traveler is really a bad guy uh you know he went to the fallen he he gave them light and he helped them and then he took it away because it wanted to survive. And while that's fair, I don't think it should have taken the light away from an entire race because it wouldn't survive. Because they wouldn't kill its enemy. He gave that to them. They didn't ask for it. Um, but the Traveler came and it resurrected warriors from across humanity. And these became guardians. And he gave them this little guy called a ghost. 
And this ghost would talk to you and he revive you. And each each guardian is a ghost. Um, and these, these guardians were not allowed to know their past lives. They didn't remember them. And they were strongly advised against learning against about their past lives. There is a, char- a few characters in Destiny, if I'm not mistaken, that do did learn about it. And they're not on good terms with the Vanguard, which is an important figure in Destiny. Or an important group of figures in Destiny. But these guardians, they, they were fighting for the light to protect it. And Eris was a guardian, and she went into this into the depths um, to try with a fire team of, of six people. Uh, I believe there are three titans, two warlocks, and a hunter. I could be wrong on those numbers, but she I believe she was one of the warlocks, and she went down. And one by one, she watched her teammates and her friends die and get get lose their light, have it sucked out of them until she was the last one. And and she spent she spent a long time down in the darkness, so long that she went blind. She also learned a lot about the hive, and she she communicated with the hive god, and uh, it wanted it wanted to let it wanted her to let it in, so that it could uh, it could turn her into its puppet. She refused, and she learned so much about the hive. I don't know the specifics of it. I'm still learning uh, about her lore, but she got three eyes, and I think it might have to do with how much she learned about the hive and how long she spent with them. But she was introduced as a master of the darkness in the sense that she knew a lot about it. And she came to this guy named Zavala. And now Zavala, there were three vanguards. There's Zavala, the Titan vanguard. There's Ikora, the warlock vanguard. And there's Cade Six, the hunter vanguard. And now Eris came to Zavala asking to be led into the tower, which is a safe zone for humanity and guardians. And he denied. He said no, because you are of the darkness, and the Traveler does not like that. But she convinced him to let her in because she wanted to help. Because she knew a lot about the darkness. And she convinced them that this new god, Crota, was going to be a serious threat to him, the Traveler, and the Guardians. And so she became an important figure that sent you on this quest to go kill Crota. And this raid, the whole point of it was to kill Crota. And it was really incredible. It was really refreshing. Uh, you went into the depths of the hive on the moon, and you went to kill this god. You literally killed a god. And I don't know about anybody listening, but to me, like the feeling of, of, of landing the killing blow on that thing and, and saving the city and, and knowing that I had just slain a god, was, it was pure euphoria. It, was, it got me hooked. It was such a fun... Like I was like... Damn, I just killed a god. Like, I'm incredible. And so I really got hooked on Destiny. And so that's what hooked a lot of people. The lore is a really big thing in Destiny. And Destiny's still going strong. They had promised 10 years of, of, of groundbreaking games. And I, I can't say that they achieved that. I also can't say they didn't. I think Destiny was wonderful. I think Destiny 2 is great. But uh, long story short, Destiny is really cool. And I really like the lore. The lore is my favorite part about the game. Uh, next to the to the customization that just playing the game offers, and the thing with the custom or with the with the lore is that it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Attached to every weapon, to every piece of armor, is a piece of lore. Like I can go into my inventory right now. I'm using a bunch of weapons. You know, right now I'm using three different weapons. I'm using Wish Ender. I'm using Trust, and I'm using Bellowing Giant. I'm gonna take a look at Wish Ender and read the lore, and it says, "Don't fret. It's a simple expedition." We'll be back before lunch. And that's some guy's name I, I can't read. The First Queen's Wrath. It says, uh, Sure, Ido stood... S- oh, goodness. Stood, stood slow. Joint snapping, seconded none. But the Sovs themselves stood straight-backed. Sharp-sighted. Pleased to skewer enemies at any distance. Sure, Ido listened close. Head cocked. Arrow knocked. Listened to her queen's laired lies and heard only the truths as endless courtly complaints flowed through them like the mists of Devala. Sure, Ido, watch shadows, wind, warp, widen, watch surveillance. Oh, oh, wind, sorry, wind, wind, warp, widen, watch surveillance, feeds encrypted snaps. This is a very confusing one. I think it's tried to be, I think it's attempting to be a poetic. Um, I think I'll cut this bit out. Um, you know, I've never actually looked at that. It's, it's, that's an awoken weapon, and the awoken are very interesting individuals. Uh, let me find one that's a little more, uh, e- a little easier to understand. Um, let me find a good one. Let me find a good one. Ah, my fa- one of my favorites is called Xenophage, and Xenophage is a, is a heavy explosive machine gun. And it says, this might sting a little. 
It was only a, there was only darkness until there was light. Again, a third time. I knew it. Knew I'd be back one day. Only this time I was something else. Something not human. Not by choice, of course. Those damn hive. They weren't just trying to kill me. They were using me to get my light. To drain it from my soul for the sick experiments. But the idiots screwed up. They didn't just drain my light. They took the whole lot. The entire thing. Soul and all. I'm still me. Just not the me I knew. The one with two arms and two legs. Something smaller now. But honestly, it's no bother. The fire inside me. It came too. And it rages now more than ever before. The fools have no clue what they've done. No idea the price they'll pay. I'll have my vengeance. In this life, not the, the next. And it's quoted by Omar Aga. And now, I, I've, I haven't looked into this bit. And, you know, there's a lot of lore attached to them. Like, uh, there's four guns called Last Word, Thorn, Lumina, and Malfeasance. And these are all guns that have lore attached to each other. But, for example, Xenophage is a big gun. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy machine gun that has 13 rounds in a magazine, and it fires high-powered explosive ammunition. And these things explode. Boom, 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 boom. And it's awesome. And what I think that Lorbit is, is, is hinting to is that uh, this Omar Aga guy became Xenophage. Because, I mean, it's a solar weapon, and so the fire inside me, it came too, and it rages now more than ever before, really lines up with the fact this thing does solar damage, which is fire damage, and uh, does big damage. You know, the fire inside, the fire damage, uh, relating to rages more than ever. It's, to me, that's saying that he's become the gun. Something smaller. He's still him, and he hates the hive, and he wants to destroy them. Uh, but he's he's not who he was. So I think it's it's alluding to that he'd become a gun. But it's things like that. Like, that's one gun in the game. There's 63 exotic weapons. If I go look in the collections, which will tell me all the items in the game, as long as I have, uh, you know, a broad range. I go look in the collections. Let's see how many exotics there are. There are 200, is that 63 or 283? I think it's 283 exotics. And there's 538 legendary weapons and 1,175 legendary armor. Or not just legendary, sorry, that's total armor. But a lot of that is legendary. There's not as many uh, uncommon and rare weapons as there are legendary weapons. And a lot of the armor, I think all, most or if not all the armor has lore attached to it. I think some of the weapons do and all the exotics do. That's a lot of lore. Like that, That's a lot of lore. It's genuinely incredible, honestly. And that's, I think that's what draws a lot of people in. You know, there's, there's, it's insane to me. It's, it's baffling how much there is. And I, I could go on for hours and this is a mess. Like I said, I, I won't, I won't say that this game doesn't have its flaws because it does. But I think that's the best part about a game, about, about something you enjoy, is not preaching that it's perfect. Admitting it has flaws and understanding those flaws and, and, and working around them or working with them. Destiny has its flaws. I won't deny it. But again, that's what makes it a game. There's no such thing as a perfect game. The game, The Witcher 3, my favorite game of all time, it's it's not just uh, it's not just some perfect game. There's flaws to it. There's things that aren't good. There are things that can be better. But again, that's what makes it a game. You know, people who expect games to be perfect, I, I wouldn't consider them actual gamers because if you can't come to terms with the fact that a video game will not be perfect, then you shouldn't be playing them. Nothing in the world should be perfect because perfection is subjective. What I perceive as perfect is not what you perceive. And even if it were your perception of perfect and that were the static definition, there'd be no room for improvement. And that, again, that's what makes a game a game. Destiny, this is, this is going on the fifth DLC for Destiny 2. And that's because there's always something they can add. There's always some place they can improve. Something they can do better. Something they can do different. I've said it many times already in the past minute and a half, two minutes. So it makes a game a game. You don't need DLC for a game to improve or to be better. You just need room to grow. And that's that's why I think games like Destiny and Destiny 2 are, are definitely up there. They, they were pretty flawed at the start. Uh, they're still flawed now. But again, you know, that's that's what makes them what they are. 
They're great in their respective places. And that's why I love them. Besides the fact that that was my introduction to the world of gaming, um, you know, there's, there's these things that these games excel at. The things that make these games different. Destiny's customization is unrivaled. You know, with, with how, how you, know, you don't see your armor very often, but other people do. And you see your weapons always. You're always using them. So it, it really has a big impact. Like, man, my armor really does matter. My buddies are going to be looking at it. Or, hey, my, weapon, my weapon's color does matter because I'm going to be looking at it. You know, whether or not I like the look of this weapon is absolutely important. Exotics have ornaments where you can change the color scheme of them and sometimes even the design of them to a degree. And it's it's not customizable, they're preset. But you know, like I use last word with a with a ornament on it. I'm like, wow, this makes it look great. Even better than it was before, you know? It's just like I said, I could go on for hours and this this is a mess. And I might even leave that bit with Wish Ender in. Um it's really late where I'm in, so it might have been really easy to understand had I taken it a bit slower, but I tried to jump into it. I was very excited. I don't know if it was noticeable there. I was very excited to talk about uh, Destiny and how it really makes me happy. And I just, I love things like this. And that's what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be me rambling and, and talking and, and breaking off from subject and subject. And, and I think that that's what makes it, to me, that's what makes it a podcast I would like. I, I don't, I appreciate professionalism and, and I appreciate people who do things clean cut, high quality, top of the line. But not everything has to be, you know, not everything has to be the best in the world. Um, the fact that, that I don't know what I'm going to say, the fact that I'm improvising, the fact that uh, that the things I'm working with, the things that I'm I'm talking about are, are going to be on the spot or, or decided before but done on the spot. The fact that I'm going to make mistakes and that I'm not going to have, I'm going to, you know, that I'm not reading from a script is what makes it special to me. And I, I think that adds a, a level of authenticity to it. Uh, it makes it a little more special. I'm not disregarding or devaluing things that people put tons of work into because, like I said, I love, I love high-quality things. But this isn't one of them. This is just some kid on the internet rambling about, you know, his, his video game that he plays and, and how much it makes him happy. And I think to some degree that holds a value you can't capture somewhere else. You can have something super professional, um, but I think it's just that raw sense of excitement, that raw sense of, of uh, enjoyment and adoration that I hold for it that you just can't capture in a, in a strictly professional setting. You can express your, your gratitude for something, uh, but you know, communication is it's, it's very varied. It's, uh, I think that the way I convey my words to another person really change their meaning and their effect and the weight they hold and that, that's what I'm getting at um I guess this is just an introduction to what this is going to be about and I'll probably plan things out better next time this is this is a one-off and I'm going to post this one because uh I put a, this is almost an hour's worth of record or over an hour's worth of recording and, and almost an hour is actually going in this is 35 minutes on um I really want to you know I want it raw I'll do a bit of editing. I, I'm probably going to leave this one totally unedited because a lot of the times I'm probably going to unedit these things. Not just because I don't know how and because I'm, I'm dumb, but also because, again, it's the authenticity, the the genuineness of it. You know, I, I'm genuinely excited to talk about these things and I'm genuinely excited to to, uh, to talk to whoever's listening and, and have them listen to me. Uh, and I think that's something that if you're going to listen and that, that's what this podcast is about. It's just me being me, uh, unfiltered, uh, relatively unfiltered, you know. I'll, I'll filter out specific things like uh, extreme vulgarity, like uh, like like the F word. I'll try, I try not to use that because, you know, you, you might be listening to this in a place where or extreme profanity isn't appreciated. Or maybe you just don't like profanity. Maybe you, maybe you think it's uh, unattractive or you think it's gross. And, you know, that's something I can respect. Uh, I cuss a lot. I, I cuss like a sailor. Uh, but I know when it's appropriate, and I don't think now is a time where it is. Uh, I would, I don't need it to talk. That's something I use. Um, I think I'll cut this off here. 
Um, if you listened all the way, wow. Um, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I don't even know how to put into words how I would feel if you if you decided to listen all the way. Uh, thank you. I guess you know this is thirty seven minutes in with an almost I think twenty minute uh, about me segment, and this is just all over the place. It's just me going on and on and on and on and on about about something you probably don't even know anything about. Uh, something that that you would need so much context for to to really truly understand and appreciate. Um, uh, but again, thank you for listening. If you did, um, if you liked it, uh, I don't I don't know how this 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 works. This would work, but uh, go on and uh, go on and follow the podcast if that's how you do it on whatever platform you're on. Uh, go on and. Uh, and uh, just just come back for the next episode. I don't know when I'll upload. I might make a schedule. I might do it every Sunday, um, at midnight, <laughs> or I might try and do it midnight Mondays, Tuesdays, or sometimes Wednesdays. I'm not. It's not gonna be a daily thing. I don't think I could think about something to talk every Monday or every Tuesday and every Thursday or whatever. I, I'll probably just do it when I want to, and they'll come out when they are. I don't know how long it'll take to get it out on on the different platforms. I'm using Anchor. I don't know how long it'll take for this uh for this program to distribute it but uh i do think that uh it'll show up on there one day maybe you'll hear it but uh, anyways i said i said i'd cut off about a minute and a half ago uh goodbye and good night make sure you eat brush your teeth shower set your alarms you know you know uh, spend some time with your family do, do all that jazz because uh it's important you know well Thanks for listening. Again, just the thought that somebody would listen to all this really means the world to me. Good night.